I'm going to tell you an old fable that always stuck with me about a scorpion named Philip. The scorpion actually never had a name before, but I like the idea of a scorpion named Philip, and this is my story. So anyway, Philip the scorpion needed to get across a river, but he couldn't swim. Luckily, there was a frog on the edge of the river who could. Maybe the frog would carry him across. Mr. Frog, Philip the scorpion started. The frog interjected. My father was Mr. Frog. Call me Alan. Okay, Alan. I'm a scorpion and I need to get to the other side of the river, but I can't swim. Would you let me hop on your back and you take me across? Alan the frog looked at Philip the scorpion like he was crazy. Of course not. You're a scorpion. I can't trust you. The second I let you on my back, you'll sting me, and a sting from a scorpion is fatal to a frog. Alan, where is the logic in that? If I sting you in the middle of the river, we'll both drown. What good would that do me? Alan thought this over for a minute and agreed. Philip hopped on Alan's back, and they started swimming across the river. About halfway through, Alan felt a sharp sting and turned shocked to the scorpion. You stung me! Now we'll both drown. What's the logic in that? I'm a scorpion. It's my nature. There are lots of ways to think about this story. When I googled it, there are people all over the internet talking about how the scorpion is capitalism or the government or big pharma or lots of other really racist things in every possible direction. We're going to ignore all of that. The way I always thought of the story was people sticking their heads in the ground. The world is a certain way, and even if we don't like that way, pretending it isn't the way isn't helping anyone. Entrepreneurs are professionals at this. There are only a few things that matter for entrepreneurs, but we pretend those things don't matter because they're hard, and we pretend thousands of other things do matter because they're comparatively easier or more fun or make us feel alive or whatever. We let scorpions hop on our backs, and then we're surprised when they sting us. Today, we're going to talk about the one thing you absolutely need for your business, and how, if you ignore it, it won't just go away. After, of course, a little smooth jazz that would never dream of stinging you in the back. This is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. At Tacklebox, we do two things. We accelerate ideas into real companies through our product, the Tacklebox Method, and we play some smooth jazz every Wednesday on the Idea to Start a Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea. You're ready to launch something, or maybe you already launched something and you're plowing ahead. We're here to help with a tactical strategy that will give your business the best chance of success. Head to gettacklebox.com backslash no whisper ideas to get the podcast listeners discount. If you got a topic or a question you want to see answered on the pod, leave us a review and add it in the comments and we'll get to it. And with that, let's get back to frogs, scorpions, and treading water. I saw a bunch of friends I hadn't seen in a while this past weekend, and one of them looked super fit. She always looks great, but I wasn't the only one who noticed the extra fitness, or maybe it was her posture or something. Whatever it was, someone finally asked what she was up to, and she answered, I've been treading water. Everyone sort of chuckled because it sounded like one of those 2021 jokes we're all numb to about how everyone is just sort of skating by, and she does have four kids, so it definitely fit. But then she clarified, no, really, I've been treading water with friends in the morning. We hang out in the lake, she lives in Chicago, and watch the sunrise. It's great because it's like 30 minutes long, it's a total full body workout, and we can chat like we're going for a walk. But it's a much better workout and way more fun, and I feel amazing after. It's light on the joints, it's a full body exercise, and you get that jolt from the cold water. My days are so much better when I start with that. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably like me and you're trying to figure out if this is actually a business idea. 
It sounds pretty flimsy. I'll list off the cons you're probably working through mentally right now. It's seasonal if you're swimming outside. It's logistically tough to get everyone together. It isn't available to most people. I live in New York City and I'm sure as hell not hopping in the Hudson River in the morning. It'll probably get old fast. They aren't actually paying for it now. They just hop into the lake for free. If there was a charge, maybe they wouldn't do it. It isn't fun treading water with strangers, whereas hopping on a Peloton with strangers is. And you can't increase intensity without increasing the time. As you get better, there's nothing you can do but add time. Although I guess maybe you could have weights around your waist or ankles or something, but that does feel a little bit close to the mafia. Anyway, there are a lot of cons to this. So I hear what you're thinking. You just learned about this scorpion thing and you're excited to toss it right back at me. Brian, this idea is a scorpion. It sounds cool, but once you get into the middle of the river, it'll all fall apart on you. The fundamentals aren't there. But what if it isn't a scorpion? What if this is the foundation of a great business? Let's look at two similar businesses before I pitch you the non-scorpion case for the treading water startup, which for the rest of the podcast, we'll call Treadwell. I think that's the name of a government agency, which means we probably can't use it, but it also might be the name of a fake government agency from a born movie, which got stuck in my head somehow, which means that we could. Either way, our treading water startup will be called Treadwell until we can think of a better pun. On to it. The two businesses we'll talk about are Mirror and Peloton. We'll start with Mirror, which recently got bought by Lululemon for $500 million. If you aren't familiar, Mirror's product is a mirror. It's 53 inches tall and is loaded with tech. You can watch all sorts of types of fitness classes on it. It's a bigger, more interactive version of the yoga or fitness class you might watch on YouTube on your phone or your laptop or iPad. And since you're watching yourself work out, you can get real-time form corrections. You can also work with a personal trainer remotely through the mirror interface. It's crazy slick. People rave about the tech. It costs $1,500 for the mirror itself, and then it's $39 a month for the classes. Mirror grew early on with a serious boost from celebrities. It's a beautiful premium device that looks great with Instagram filters on it. And that growth continued through the pandemic as fitness studios all shut down. The founder, Bryn Putnam, was a former professional dancer who opened up boutique fitness studios in New York City back in 2010. She ran those for years before launching Mirror. She understands the space deeply, and she was masterful matching up the tech to her industry knowledge. The whole founding story is fantastic. I'll pop it in the show notes. The long-term bet for Mirror is that the subscription will replace or supplement in-person studios for their customers. It's really too early to tell how it's going. I mean, obviously it's going insanely well and we'd all switch places with someone who had a $500 million exit, but in terms of the mission to grow under Lululemon to Peloton-like size, it's still pretty early. Now, let's talk about Peloton. This requires less explaining. If you're listening to this podcast, you likely either have a Peloton, have considered buying one, or know someone who's got one. The stock might be overpriced and the pandemic growth boom might be slowing, but Peloton is one of the great businesses of the past decade. They sold $2,000 exercise bikes, charged 40 bucks a month for classes, and irrevocably changed the fitness landscape. Culturally, they created stars. You know Cody Rigsby, you know Robin, Alex Toussaint, Ali Love, and probably about five or six more. Peloton's bet is that people who have the bike will continue to pay 40 bucks a month for classes, especially since those classes have expanded past the bike to yoga, strength, dance, and all types of other fitness that you can watch on your device whenever you'd like. 
that bet is looking pretty good as churn on monthly subscriptions as of Q3 2021 was a minuscule 0.3%. So what do Mirror and Peloton have to do with whether treading water is a viable business idea? Weirdly, everything. A few years back, I surveyed 150 second and third time founders, and I asked them what was the thing that they most overlooked the first time through. 98% of the recipients said the same thing. It was absurdly hard to acquire customers. These founders talked about how increasingly difficult it was to get people's attention. They talked about how crowded acquisition channels were and how Facebook and Instagram ads, once a viable strategy, have been swamped by VC-backed businesses that spent tens of thousands of dollars a month and drowned out all the smaller fish. Influencers, newsletters, press, the tried and true strategies had all dried up. These could be supplemental channels, but the main driver, at least to start, had to be organic growth, and this was hard. Simply put, your customers had to tell other customers to buy your product at a very high rate during the early days, or you would never reach escape velocity. You'd never get enough traction to get to all the things that could help you get more traction. Which brings us to the point of today's podcast, a mere seven minutes in. If your customers aren't going to tell other customers about your product, if they aren't going to do it a lot, you're kind of screwed. So why do we ignore that? Why don't we start from that? Why don't we make sure our business is anchored by a magic moment that's packaged to share and then work backwards from there? If we don't have a business anchored by that shareable moment, we're just floating down the middle of the river with that scorpion on our back, humming, twiddling our thumbs and hoping nothing bad happens. We don't want to do that, which means we need to start with a fundamental question. Why do people share anything? There are a few great books I'd recommend on understanding why people share things. Contagious and Made to Stick come to mind first. I'll put all of them in the show notes, though. To simplify to the extreme, people share things that make them look good. They share things that help other people, that create an emotional response, and that provide practical value. People rarely share things that aren't in story form, and maybe most importantly, people share things that are counterintuitive. Things that challenge our most tightly held beliefs or break our natural patterns are irresistible. We have to tell someone. For example, if I tell you that you burn more calories walking than running and more calories sleeping than walking, and all you have to do to lose weight is sleep, you're gonna be pretty pumped. You're gonna probably share that. You might've already. Don't get too excited, I made it up, but you get my point. Importantly, we also only share things that are digestible. Our main job as humans is taking things that are very complex and simplifying them so that they can be passed along. We do this really well and we don't compromise on it. We aren't going to share things that are abstract. It's too hard and it's not worth it. So your job as an entrepreneur is to create a moment that has the characteristics that we just talked about. You need to create that moment that people will share. With that, Let's look at how Peloton and Mirror grew. Peloton's first customers came from a store in a mall in Short Hills, New Jersey. That is so crazy to say with the size of the business now, but that is how they started. The founder of Peloton would usher in customers, and he knew if he just got them on a bike, there was a great chance they would shell out 2,500 bucks for it. Because your first ride on a Peloton is magic. You know what an exercise bike is. You've been on those Schwinn bikes in your local gym with the red dots that show your progress and the straps for your feet that are always too tight. So when you hop on the Peloton, it feels like a different world. It's premium and heavy. The screen is beautiful and crisp. 
and a professional instructor immediately starts motivating you. Three minutes in, you can't imagine exercising any other way. You break a sweat, your endorphins get going, you see your output number go up and you wanna dance. It's absolutely magic and the founder of Peloton knew this. He could see it in people's eyes and he could watch as people bought. Peloton spread from the bottom up. People bought them and couldn't stop talking about them. Pelotons were counterintuitive and unexpected. Even the business model of paying monthly was novel at the time and noteworthy, and the output score that they created gave everyone a comparable baseline. The value provided over the alternative, whatever other way you were going to work out, was massive. This was a clear 10x step up from just about any other type of solo exercise. And the game of telephone was easy. Everyone said the same thing. Peloton is a cycling class, but in your home. The instructors are world-class and the bike is premium. You need to get one. Conversely, Mirror grew from the top down. Influencers pushed it to their followers to start. The organic growth wasn't as clear or as fast as Peloton's because the message is nowhere near as tight. You bought it because Reese Witherspoon had one in her Malibu home and it looked awesome and she looked awesome and if you put it on your Instagram, maybe you'd look awesome too. But that message doesn't really travel. There were lots of different types of classes on the mirror. Yoga, strength, Pilates. Maybe this is a plus for the product, but it's a word of mouth disaster. The attention pie is too scattered. The message isn't cohesive and so it doesn't travel. There's no singular output score. It isn't clear what you're supposed to say. And the initial magic? I have a friend who has a mirror and she said her first experience was pretty rough because she realized how badly she actually doesn't want to see herself do yoga. Watching herself and seeing the tips made her feel like she had way further to go than she'd wanted. It turns out watching yourself do yoga isn't quite as relaxing as just doing yoga without the mirror. I'm exaggerating to make a point, but you get it. The experience isn't as concise and the value isn't as clear. It isn't obvious to me how watching a fitness class in the mirror would be 10 times better than watching a fitness app on your iPad. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be hard for Mirror to hit that next level of growth. Back to Treadwell. I was with this friend for a weekend and she talked about treading water no less than 15 different times. It just kept coming up. She talked about how getting into the ice cold water woke her up, how close she got with her friends, how strong her core became. There were sound bites everywhere. They talked about how they'd all joined a health club with a pool just so that they could continue during the winter. And most importantly, they talked about how their initial group grew from three to five to seven. Then a second group started, then a third. By the end of the summer, it wasn't rare to see 10 to 15 groups of people treading water as the sun rose over Lake Michigan. This is crazy. Treading water is counterintuitive. It's condensed, it's practical. It's definitely cool to wake up before sunrise each morning and hop in Lake Michigan. It's a great story. Creating moments like this is a lot harder than you might think. Being able to create something so genuinely worthy of sharing is rare, and dismissing it because of all of the navigable roadblocks I mentioned earlier might be a mistake. Instead, maybe we should recognize the value of that moment. We should push and pull on it a bit. Maybe we can recreate the moment of cold water that wakes you up through plunge pools in people's apartments. Maybe we work with existing pool clubs to create treading classes or swim times like a golf tea time. Maybe we stick to cities with oceans and create communities with new moms or dads or people who just moved to the neighborhood. Who knows? Lots of people start businesses that have no chance at ever creating a genuinely magical, shareable moment. 
They're swimming out into the middle of the river with a scorpion on their back and they're hoping they'll somehow get lucky and get to the other side before he stings them. So the question becomes, what's your moment? What's the thing people will share? What exactly will they say? How will you grow? Backing into an idea where you know the hardest, most fundamental part of the business is already sound might be a better approach, no matter how silly it might seem. This is the idea to start a podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you got a startup idea and you're not sure if it's good or if you're worried it's too early or you just need some help prioritizing what to do next, head to gettacklebox.com backslash no whisper ideas and try out the Tacklebox method for free. It'll probably help. See you next week.